This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. In today's podcast, I sit down with Sherrod Mehta, and we talk all about CRMs, using your CRM effectively, and closing leads. Because the last thing we want to happen is to pay all this money in marketing to get the leads and then not know how to manage them or close them or follow up with them in a proper manner. So Sherrod knows a lot about this. He's uh, been a buy-hold investor for over a decade in the Chicago area. He was on the Bigger Pockets podcast uh, before it blew up and got really big. And also, he is the founder of ReSimply, which is an amazing real estate investing CRM that I use personally for the last about eight months. And it's allowed me to really grow my company and keep up with my leads. And this episode is going to be about customizing your CRM and making it work for you rather than work against you. And we're not going to pitch you on ReSimply, although we will talk about that CRM. But whatever CRM you use, make sure you're using it to its utmost effectiveness. And that leads me into today's golden nugget of the day. Today's golden nugget is make sure you are using your CRM to its full capacity. I had a deal recently close that is pretty hilarious because we took in the call from the seller. The seller called in and immediately hung up or we just couldn't get it to an appointment and they ghosted us. And so, you know, I I tried to call back multiple times and couldn't reach her. Well, then I put her on an automatic text drip sequence, which if you don't know what that is, basically I had created these text templates beforehand that will fire off a text message to her at specific increments. And after I think the third or fourth text, she responded, what would be a fair offer? And that got the conversation going. And I would have lost that lead had I just given up and not had that automatic text um, sequence feature in there. So it turns out we closed the deal at a price that was fair to both of us. And we sold it for a $30,000 wholesale profit. So we, we closed on it as a wholesale. And then we sold it on the MLS for a $30,000 profit. So that feature alone in my CRM made me $30,000 just right then and there. And so that's why today's gold nugget is to implement, 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 uh, and follow up with your leads in your CRM. Because if you are not following up consistently or have some feature in place to follow up with those leads, whether it's a person or an automation, you're going to miss out on big money. And I always prefer to have a person touching that prospect sequentially. But if you can't get a hold of the person, then you can flip on the automation. Although the automation is the last resort. And so, yeah, guys, I hope you uh, gained something from that gold nugget of the day and that you start implementing that process in your business because it sure was worth it for me. And that was just one instance of that. So with all that being said, I'm going to usher in today's guest, which is Sherrod Mehta. He's talking all about how to destroy your competition with your real estate CRM. 
Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Sharad, how are you doing today? Good, Dylan. How are you, man? I'm so happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to talking. Yes, I'm very happy to have you on as well. I don't know if any of you know, but uh, Sharad is the founder and owner of Resimply. It's a CRM for real estate investors. And we're going to dive into that uh, as well during the show. But um, before all that, Sharad, can you introduce yourself and give a little backstory on how you got started in real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely, man. So my name is Sharad. I live in Toronto, Canada, and I got started in real estate investing full time. I bought my first property in 2010 and, you know, I started right full time in 2011. I started out buying rental properties for good two, three years. And then during that time, I also started selling some properties to Australian investors, especially because of the exchange rate that, you know, Australian dollar was super strong against the US dollar back in that time. And I was living in Chicago then. So I started investing in Northwest Indiana, right outside of Chicago for anybody. It's not literally 30, 45 minutes drive from downtown Chicago. That's where I live. Uh, So from there, I transitioned into fix and flip investing. And then from there, you know, we started doing some turnkey properties and I started uh, my own property management company not too long ago. And in 2015, I moved to San Diego uh, and I still had my business in Northwest Indiana. So that's when I started looking into software I could use to manage my business. And that's when recently was born, like a couple of years later in 2017. So that's you know what we I focus on full time now, recently. And I still have a fix and flip business in Northwest Indiana. Okay, so you started out in fix and flip. But then when you moved, you discovered, hey, I'm going to need the systems and programs in place to manage this business from afar. So why did you take the approach of developing your own software system versus just piggybacking off of somebody else's? I'm just curious there. Yeah, absolutely. So I used to be an accountant before I left my job. So data tracking has always been very important uh, part of it, especially when I moved from Chicago to San Diego I wanted to be able to make decisions based on the data in my business and not based on my gut feeling, you know, where I would go and look at a property, I would talk to someone, it was different, but I wanted to move away and take emotions out of it and just strictly be able to make decisions based on the data. And as I started looking at, you know, what options I had, there was not something that was simple to use. You know, I would have to put a lot of things together in order to get the information I needed and then everything else like managing my leads, managing my projects and everything else related to it would be like multiple software pieces. So, you know, that's why we decided to start recently and it's, you know, it, it's gotten to where it is now, which is very exciting. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's so many programs out there and they all do different things, but if you can get it in one package, you know, track your flips, uh, track your leads, follow-ups and so forth, which we're going to get into that, then you just save a lot of time and effort and money really on subscriptions. So I I wanted the main topic of the show is going to be how investors can beat out their competition with a good CRM. Okay. Because a good CRM will allow you to efficiently follow up with leads. It'll allow you to save costs on subscriptions. It'll allow you to track your projects uh, all under one roof. So that's the main thrust of our show. So 
I just want to dive into how does Resimply do that? How does it, um, first of all, allow us to beat out our competition in terms of the follow-up? Because uh, I'm an avid user of Resimply, but I'm just curious your take on that. Uh, how it allows right. investors to beat out their competition in terms of follow-up. Yeah, I, th- I think one thing that any investor knows is, and I'm sure they've heard tons of other people say this, is money is in the follow-up. You know, it it, it does happen, you know, every now and then you'll get a lead, you'll get a sol- uh, seller call you and say, hey, tell investors, you know, Joe, I have this property. I'm a motivated seller. It's worth 200000 I'm ready to sell it for hundred. You know, it, it does happen, not to that extreme, but it does happen where the numbers just make sense. And you, you know, go ahead and buy that property. So I would say, but less than like 15, 20%. But the big majority of your deals are coming from follow-up. You know, I always like to give an example of, uh, think about, you know, let's say if, um, you know, you're not even in the market to buy a car, but let's say you get a postcard from one of your local Toyota or a Honda dealership, right? Once a quarter, nothing. You just get a simple postcard saying, hey, we have, this, you know, end of year sale going or we have Q1 sale, whatever, you know, holiday it might be, uh, they have a sale going. So you don't do anything, you don't pay attention, but you just throw it out. But let's say a year, year and a half down the road, your car breaks down and you're in the market to buy a car. What happens is, you know, just instinctively, you will think about that Toyota dealership or Honda dealership, you know, if you're in the market to buy, you know, car um, in that price point or whatever kind of car they might have. So they haven't done anything, you know, um, you don't, you don't need to buy a car a year ago, but all they did was just kept sending you a postcard, right? That's, that's what it is with the follow-ups. All you're doing is you're just planting a seed in the seller's mind saying, Hey, whenever you're ready to sell your house, I'm here to buy that. So again, sometimes it will happen that they will call and say, or text you and say, hey, I'm ready to sell. But most of the time, they're not ready. Sometimes they'll call you and say, I'm not interested. You just put them on a simple trip campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be, you could follow up with them through direct mail, postcard, you know, but most of the people, what they do is they would put them on a text follow-up and they would call them or RBM email, depending on how much information they have. But just, it's the simple thing is you're staying on their radar. That's it. You're just letting them know, hey, Mr. Seller, whenever you're ready to sell, I'm here to buy. Just let me know. And then, you know, maybe we buy properties in Northwest Indiana, maybe in the the summertime or early fall, people might not want to sell, but they get a bad winter storm. You know, their furnace uh, breaks down and then, you know, there's water in the basement in the area we buy. And they're like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to move down to Florida or wherever a warmer place. And then a lot of times we notice people would keep the postcard that we sent them. Mm-hmm. You know, they would call them. They would call us or we would keep sending them text messages or calls. But whenever they're ready, they will call us back and say or text us back. Hey, are you still looking to buy the property? So that's a huge, huge part of buying properties is the follow-up, like it's just staying persistent with uh, following up with the lead. Yeah, so much of real estate investing, at least off-market transactions, is follow-up. And I mean, a lot of investors should know this already, but only about 5% of your conversions, your sales, are going to happen on the first touch. So if you give up follow-up and maybe you're just keeping track of it on a piece of paper or whatever, and you're not effectively doing this, you're going to miss out on 95% of potential 
deals. So I think that's what's so great about your program. And we're not saying you have to use one program over the other. We're just saying get a program that does this exactly. for you that allows for the constant follow-up. Sometimes it's automated, like you said, an automated drip sequence text campaign. But we shouldn't, I know we live in technological times, but we shouldn't expect the software to do everything for us. It's great to have, right. but we should all get, also give that personal touch every once in a while, the, the manual phone call to Absolutely. check on our sellers and see if they are now interested in selling. And I guess I should have backed up at the beginning and said, kind of explained what a CRM is. Um, I think a lot of people know by now, but it's customer relationship manager. And um, this that's what exactly what we're talking about. So one piece of that is the lead management follow-up. What's another piece of at least your program that really set you apart in your market? Was it the project management? There's so many pieces to the program. What what are some other pieces that set um, you apart in your market when you started using your program? I think there's a couple of things. One is uh, everything that you need is built in. You know, our thought process was like, you know, we want to serve real estate investors. We want our users to focus just on real estate investing. We don't want them to worry about, you know, integration, you know, if they were using Podio and any other program that they have to do this integration. So that's one piece we wanted to take out was, hey, you just, you're real, real estate investors, just log in, do whatever you're absolutely best at, which is closing deals. Everything else on the technology side, we will take care of. So that's one part is like you log in, you know, you don't need call rail. Uh, it's all built in, you know, your phone system, it's all fully integrated. You just log into one login, um, mm -hmm. your lead management, you know, your follow-ups, your direct mail, your list stacking, you know, all of that is built in. So it's, you could literally be up and running in a minute. And then the other part is because of all of that, the amount of data that we can provide you about your business, uh, you know, you were talking about how can an investor, especially in the market, stand out from the competitors. So the simple thing is like the more data, the more information you have about your business, the better decisions you can make. You know, there's one thing about uh, people talk about, oh, I do million dollars in revenue. You know, while that is great, but the question is, okay, you do million dollars in revenue, how much money do you actually make at the end of the day? You know, is it more important to do million dollars in revenue and only have net profit of $100,000 or is it better to only make $800,000 in revenue, but have $300,000 in net profit. You know, I would take that $300 net profit any day over million dollars in revenue and $100,000 in net profit. And how we help investors do that is by tracking every single campaign in their business. So if you are, imagine if you're doing, let's say you use ballpoint marketing and you're doing direct mail to your absentee list and probate list, right? As your leads start coming in by setting up different campaigns, you know exactly how many leads did you get from your absentee list, how many leads did you get from your probate list. And as you, you know, move those leads along the pipeline, you know exactly how much money did you spend on marketing to that absentee list versus how much did you spend on your probate list. And once you sell the property, you will be able to know how much revenue you are making from absentee and probate. Let's say you've done a couple of mailings, you know, and now, uh, once a quarter, once a month, or, you know, every six months, you review your data and you say, okay, you know, for every dollar that I spent targeting absentee list, I made $4. Uh, 
but on my probate list for every dollar that I put in, I made $7. So, you know, if you have marketing money that you need to spend, then you would want to double down on the probate list before doing any more marketing to the absentee list. So that's where we help really optimize uh, on where you're spending your marketing dollars and then where your revenue is actually coming from. Yeah, I love that. And it, it um, flushes itself out in the form of you have in recently you have the the KPI screen so you can see Correct. where exactly that's coming from. So uh, can you kind of explain, you already touched on it, but further explain why tracking KPIs are so important and maybe sure. some other KPIs that you might want to track. I know we talked about dollar in, dollar out, but what are some other sure. KPIs you'd want to track? Yeah, I mean, something as simple as, so let's say, you know, uh, going back to the example of mailing to the absentee and probate list, right? Let's say you have 1,000 people on your absentee list, 1,000 people on your probate list. Now, if you're mailing to the same list, let's say you put them on the same campaign, you just put them under direct mail campaign, right? You don't you don't break them out by absentee or probate. You send these 2,000 mail pieces out, you start getting calls, you're like, hey, this is fantastic. I got 100 calls, I went on 10 appointments, I made five offers and I got two properties under contract, which is fantastic, right? And you made money on it. Now, let's say you're doing second round of mailing. How do you know, should you mail to the absentee or to the probate list? You have no idea if you're not tracking your information down to uh, that level. So that's that's where we can help on tracking your data by each campaign. And also the other thing that you wanna track is uh, some of the lead sources that you have, for example, mailing to somebody that's just on a high equity list, right? Uh, their homeowner, high equity list, yes, you are gonna get some deals out of them. However, the conversion is gonna be very, very slow. You know, you're gonna have to generate a lot more leads to convert them into an actual deal. And then your timeline is also gonna take longer. So that's another data point that's important for you to track. You know, when you compare that to mailing to a probate list or let's say PPC leads, PPC leads are generally tend to be more motivated. So you wanna track you know, how many leads do you need to get from each lead source before or each campaign before you convert them into an appointment or offers or deal. Then as you start looking at that data and let's say you, you your business is growing and you bring somebody in your team, then the decisions that you wanna make is <clears throat> that, hey, uh, this is our historical data uh, for every 50 leads that we get from, let's say, our probate list. Uh, we're able to go on 10 appointments. We're able to make three offers and get one deal, right? So you have that historical data. Now you have some sort of benchmark. So as you bring on a new person, you can compare their performance versus what you've done in the past. And you can see uh, typically, you know, um, I'll give you, if you get 50 deals, you should go on so many appointments. And then you can see maybe on 50 deals, they're going on you know, 20 appointments, but they're still making two offers. So that tells you maybe they're going on too many appointments. Maybe you know the person that is making all those appointments, maybe they need to qualify a little bit more because you're going on way too many appointments and not making enough offers. Mm -hmm. So that's another data point you wanna track. And other thing you wanna track is from the time the lead came into the pipeline, how long did it take for your team member to go on an appointment? You know, From the time they go on an appointment, how long did it take to go on an offer. Like for us, you know, ideally in a perfect world, your appointment to offer ratio should always be one. It doesn't always happen, but it should be pretty close to one because there's no point going on an appointment if you're not gonna make an offer, 
So at least everyone, when you go on, just make an offer. The worst that's going to happen is say no. But if you notice that you're going on 10 appointments and making one offer, that tells you, hey, maybe I'm, you know, somebody's wasting too much time going on appointments. Um, so that's that's another thing that you want to track in your business. Yeah. So we talked about KPIs and why it's important to track. But furthermore, if you're not tracking these things, then you don't really know how to improve. And it's great to take action, but I think the next level, once you have taken action, done some deals, it's time to start tracking and seeing what's working. And it'll also help you diagnose some problems in your business. So for example, one of the problems that I've seen in my business is if a lot of leads are coming in, but I'm doing few appointments, well, that means I'm not pushing the appointment farther. Um, But if I'm doing a lot of appointments and no deals, well, there's something in my conversion. My conversion rate is low. So if you use a software like this or any software for that matter, you can diagnose that quickly um, and you know fix it yourself if you're the one that's managing the business or tell your team members on how they can improve. So that's all wonderful. Any more points to add on to that, Sherrod? Yeah. And then another thing that we have done, which you know everybody understands the value of having the data, but the challenge that comes in that I, I think we're trying to solve is make it as simple as possible to track that data. You know, there's one thing is, yes, you know, you people understand the value, but what effort do you have to put in to get that data? I think that's where we've completely automated. So everything I mentioned is nobody's going in and saying, hey, let's calculate how many appointments we went on. Like it system tracks automatically so just by one click of a button you can see all the data that you need to see so nobody's going in and updating anything so there's no human error per se yeah i I mean i know in your software you can attach a a lead to a certain campaign and you can create campaigns out you can create different phone numbers so all of and then there's all of this funnels into your main page there so it's like you said everyone knows the importance of this, but it's actually doing it. You know, you don't want to create another job or hire a person just to do this. You want it to be somewhat automated. And I think you've done that quite well with your system, at least. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. So one feature that I especially love of, of, you know, your system is the tasks, creating tasks and then either email reminders or text reminders to my personal cell phone so that I do not miss on that. How important are tasks to a real estate investor when you maybe have 100, 200 leads in your CRM and it just gets lost in the shuffle? How important are tasks? Yeah, I mean, they're absolutely critical. You know, um, that's one big change we made with 2.0 was we made it very task-focused. You know, so you any given time, you know, okay, how many tasks do I need to do uh, or any communication that you're having internally with your team? You know, people generally, if they have a checklist, you know, then they get a, they get a sense of uh, achievement by checking something off the task list or a checklist. So I think that was important for us to create that checklist and that feeling of, you know, people coming in, you know, we don't want them to be spending their time in our software. You know, yes, we want them to get tons of value, but at the same time, we want them to be in and out and be mostly on the appointments and, you know, doing the more value added stuff. Then like we want to automate as much as we can. And some of the things we do is like the task list. So you come in, you know, okay, how many tasks do I need to do that are due ads of today? Things that I need to be working on. And that, you know, if you have five things you need to do, it just, it gets you 
very focused on what you need to do rather than going through 100 leads and saying, hey, wait a minute, did I talk to this lead? Let me see what communication did I have? So that really makes a big difference. And, you know, uh, you look at different professions also, you know, uh, there's been study done about um, pilots, the doctors, you know, just by implementing simple things as checklists, you know, that's helped in, uh, you know, reducing the number of uh, crashes that you might have, or then, you know, some uh, errors in hospital. So it's it's simple thing, but it tells you, okay, this is my checklist. This is what I need to focus on. As long as I do that, then I feel like I'm making progress towards my goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I've got that set up and you can assign them to team members there. And uh, it just keeps, keeps people accountable because then you can absolutely. go in. Uh, if you're the leader of the business, you can go in and um, see what tasks are being done, what tasks are not being done right. and make some adjustments there. And I think other thing is then, you know, uh, there's people don't have reason or excuse to say, Hey, I didn't know I was supposed to do this. You know, it's like, Hey, this is a checklist. This is assigned to you. And then that's your responsibility to get them. So you're right. It definitely adds a level of accountability. So when you're doing your daily or weekly call with the team, so you can go in and see, okay, you know, even, even on my team, when I'm talking to my team and they say, can you do this? I just say, hey, can you just go create a check task for me in Resimply? And then, you know, when I check it, I'll know what I need to do. Yes, absolutely. I know you also offer some accounting functions in Resimply. Can you explain why you did that? Because, and I know you're trying to make uh, Resimply kind of an all-in-one, one-stop shop. So can you talk about the accounting functions in Resimply and how they help uh, real estate investors? Absolutely, man. So I I used to work at Ernst & Young. Uh, so, you know, I was a CPA working in Big Four in Chicago. So that was when we decided to create simply the data analytics was very important. And of course, like the accounting, the actual financial part is very, very important. So when I talked about for every dollar that you're putting into the business versus how much you're getting back, that's actual down to the penny from your bank statement, you know, from your financial institution. It's not rounded up number it's not hey i spent you know hundred thousand dollars and i made 500 no it's i spent two hundred and thirty two thousand four hundred and fifty six dollar and thirty two cents and i made nine hundred and whatever you know it's like down to the penny mm -hmm. so what we want to do is and also the other things that we're working on that we're going to be rolling out in the future the accounting piece is sort of like the heart and soul of what we're building uh, and everything, especially the data analytics part, is built around that piece of it. In a typical setup, what would happen is, let's say, using Podio. Like most of the investors that switch over to recently are coming from Podio. So let's say if somebody's using a Podio, right? Uh, they would have to use a different system, call rail for the integration, and then they would use an accounting system, QuickBooks. A typical system would be you go into call rail, you set up all your phone numbers, and then the calls come in. And then your leads are actually in Podio. But then if you want to see, okay, how many calls did I get from this campaign, then you're going into uh, call rate. But it only tells you how many leads you had. It doesn't tell you mm -hmm. of those leads that came in, how many of those were converted into appointments or offers. So you're looking at those two systems. And then if you take it further, if you sell a property, now you're going in and booking the revenue in QuickBooks for that specific property. But QuickBooks doesn't know which campaign it came from. You know, so you have to go into Podio and update that number, but you're just putting in the revenue number only. You know, you'll just put the revenue number and you you'll put the marketing campaign number, but it still doesn't 
match up with, hey, this property came from my direct mail absentee list. And when I sold it, QuickBooks doesn't know that this was my direct mail absentee list. So that's where there's a big you know, disconnect between these systems talking to each other. Yes, I mean, you can, you can hire somebody to do all this manually, but it's not done in real time. And there's always a chance of human error. But now what, uh, and I'll give example of what happens in my business. In my business, my bookkeeper, she has access to the accounting feature and recently she goes in once a week, she updates everything, right? It's done in real time. So I can go in if our project management meeting is every week on Thursday. So her job is to make sure she updates uh, my bookkeeper update, <clears throat> excuse me, everything by Tuesday. So if she has any questions, I can answer. So everything is ready by end of day Wednesday. So when we do our call, we can literally go through and see, okay, when did we buy the property? How much did we pay for it? How much money you spent on rehab? And how much are we looking to sell? What's our exact money that we spent on this property down to the penny? So based on that, we can make decisions. Okay, you know, how much should be listed for? And, you know, if you want a quick sale or whatnot, and we can see, you know, what's our projected profit. And once we sell the property, all our KPIs on how much money we've made from each of our campaigns are also updated in real time. Yeah, I think that's great. And thanks for mentioning that. Just keeping everything uh, organized and it just, there, life's already complicated enough. We don't need more subscriptions, more um, programs if we don't have to, because that requires an additional learning curve. We have to train our employees on it. If we can just do it under, uh, with one program, that's all the better. So yeah, I, I'll another, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say and another thing is like QuickBooks, it's not built for real estate investors. Of course, you can yeah. use it as a real estate investor, but it's not built for real estate investors. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go and you have to set up like a class, you know, most people enter a property address as a class and then they use customer feature and whatnot. So that's that's not even you know, the terminology that you as a real estate investor would use. So what we've done is, you know, you can do all the same things in Resimply that you want to do in QuickBooks, but the language is very specific to real estate investor. Hey, I made this money. What property did I make it from? And, you know, which vendor did I pay to? And, you know, which account should it go to? It's very specific to real estate investor. And it's not, it's just for investors. So if you're have some other business, then you can't really use it. I mean, you can use it, but it doesn't give you the data that you'll get uh, as a real estate investor. Yeah, I love using any program that's specific to real estate investors. It's another reason I use Carrot.com websites because they know, they speak the language of real estate investors a lot like your company. And to be honest, you know, even though some of these tools are paid, you know, if you miss out on one deal, then you miss out on three, five, seven years of subscription. So really the subscription fee is is a very, very small price to pay for the amount of leads and information and and headaches you're going to save. I want to talk about though, this entrepreneurial effort that you went into, which was designing a software. Uh, A lot of real estate investors just stick to real estate, but you kind of forked off into this other venture was actually creating software for real estate investors. So for all those who are interested in maybe doing a similar thing that as what you did, do you have any advice, pieces of advice to share for those folks? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, what happened was, you know, as I mentioned, 2015, I moved from Chicago to San Diego for my wife's job. So I, I didn't have any plans. I didn't have any intention while I was living in Chicago to start a software company. Uh, but once I moved out of town and, you know, I had to manage my 
business from thousands of miles away, that's when I realized, okay, I need some really good systems that can track everything for me. And, you know, the, the decisions that I'm making are based on the data. You know, people lie, but numbers never lie. You know, so we want to make decisions based on the actual numbers in the business. And then as we started looking at different options, like we saw a need uh, that we could fill. It wasn't even honestly with the intention initially to, uh, hey, we want to build this company. We want to do this. We want to do that. It was initially, hey, I want something for myself, something simple that I can use. We started building it in 2017, and I don't think we even opened it up for anybody for at least two years. So it took us like two, two and a half years before we opened it up for anybody. Like I was running my business on it myself. So, uh, you know, the first version of it was built based on my business need. Like I've never assigned a deal in my, oh, actually I shouldn't say that. We assigned a deal a couple of months ago, but before that I never assigned a deal. So in the initial version, there was not even a column for assigned to buyer because I never done that. It was built very, very specific for me uh, because I figured, hey, I run my business in a very simple way. These are the things I want. Let's just do this. And then from there, you know, as I started showing it to other people, it kind of grew, um, you know, we started adding more and more investors. But I think the biggest thing is to figure out, are you filling a need, a gap in the market? I think that's the important thing to look at is like, what is that gap? Talk to some people and validate the idea on, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. If there was a tool like this, would you pay for this? Mm-hmm. You know, would would it add value to your life? You know, something like that, just to validate the idea. Um, I think that that helps a lot knowing, just thinking about the long-term picture of where you want to go. Like for us, or at least for me, when I was starting, it was very clear, okay, it has to be for me. If for nobody else, it has to be very data-focused. Like I have to know the numbers. It's just maybe because of my background, I have to know the numbers and make my decisions based on that. If it doesn't help somebody else, you know, that's fine, but you know, it's helping me, that's good enough. And then uh, as if you're building something that's adding value to you personally and your business, chances are it's gonna add value to other people also. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. So look for a gap in the market, talk with other folks and, and see if you can fill that gap with a, whether it's a software or a tool or whatever. Um, what are, what have been some struggles in scaling your software company and creating this, this effort that you've done? What are some struggles? Uh, the struggles, I think last year was uh, a challenge with COVID initially, you know, just getting used to the virtual word you know with uh especially like a couple of months uh with march april may you know our development team was just getting used to working virtually and you know just working from their um you know uh, home offices or hometown or whatever so that was a bit of a challenge getting used to you know uh, people still like figuring out this new reality i think that was part of it and and the second challenge which is actually a good problem to have is uh you know, we, we've grown uh, faster than we initially thought. So that's created some growing pains, uh, which is always a good thing, you know, where we've had to like uh, work on more on our processes and backend and systems. So, you know, initially when we started out, it was just like an idea, uh, but as you grow, you know, it's, it's gets to the point, okay, Hey, we need to like have some written processes, you know, we need to have some written 
systems. You know, uh, that's something uh, that's that's been an interesting challenge on like getting people over from, hey, you know, yes, this is how we used to do things previously, but, you know, we've grown quite a lot. Let's just have some formal processes of how we want to uh, do certain things. And also like we, you know, we've gotten to the point where we want to ask feedback on, hey, this is kind of what we're thinking of doing. Initially, when we didn't have as many people using it, we could just roll out something and it was like, hey, this is great. But I think now we need to just take a little bit of more time processing uh, the information, like validating the idea. Hey, this is kind of what we're thinking of doing and ask our uh, customer base, what do you guys think? You know, would this add value? You know, just because I think would be something cool. We just don't want to roll that out and just take a bit of time on um, let people give feedback on that. Yeah, growing pains are difficult and you always have to listen to your audience, your users. So good points there. Okay, well, this is the next part of our show. It's called the Triple Threat. And I asked the same Uh-oh. three questions to each guest. Okay. Um, the first one is, and this is kind of, a, I already almost know the answer to this, but what has been the biggest uh, tool or app that's been the game changer in your business? I, I'm, I'm not... Other than, mean, other than Resimply, let's say yeah, that. <laughs> I, I would say, man, I'm a big uh, pen and paper guy, even though I own a software company. Like this is this is a big part of my daily routine just it's it is a system it is a tool but yeah i mean this this has been i mean other than that like a technology tool i would say slack has been pretty pretty awesome for just to kind of keep everybody in our company uh you know connected i think that's that's been pretty and zoom like i never used zoom until covid started and then yeah zoom is pretty awesome yeah second question is what has been the biggest learning lesson for you in the last 12 months Oh man, that's a really good question. It could be yeah. a failure or it could be a success. Just something that you learn from and are now implementing going forward. Uh, I would say when you are hiring, um, always take time and hire people for not necessarily for their skill set or experience, hire people for their values and character. You know, you can teach somebody a skill set. You can have them, you know, go take some course and learn that skill or gain that knowledge. But, you know, you cannot change, really change somebody's values or character. You know, like say if somebody is, you know, prone to stealing, for example, you, you can't tell that person, hey, can you please stop stealing? You know, can you go to this course and learn how not to lie or how not to cheat or stuff like that? So I would say, hiring people for the values that fit with your company, with your long-term visions and not for the scale has been an important lesson. Yeah, that's great advice. Question number three is our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing, whether that's financial lifestyle or otherwise. So what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me means like at this point in my life, I am extremely happy with what I'm doing. Like I'm every day I get up wanting to do what I'm doing. To me, that's freedom. You know, freedom doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I want to be at the beach for 40 hours, you know, every day because I'm not going to enjoy that. Freedom to me means like I'm doing every day what I want to do rather than I'm being told uh, what to do. And it's different for everyone. You know, a couple of things that I've done in my life is like I'm not active on social media. I'm not at all. So uh, we have a Facebook group for recently and I have it bookmarked on my browser. So when I want to go, I just simply click on that. I don't 
look at anything else on my Facebook feed uh, just because it's so hard not to get sucked into that world. You, you go into Facebook and you see people posting the highlights of their life and you're generally comparing it to the low moments in your life. And then, you know, it's hard not to do that comparison. Uh, at least it, it was for me. So I've just completely moved away from that. And I've, you know, I've, I've realized things that are important to me are important to me. You know, it might not work for somebody else, but what I am doing absolutely works for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need to focus on, uh, you know, and then that's, that might mean something different for somebody else. I, I love doing what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I want to be able to get up and then, you know, uh, do what I want to do, whether it might be like I'm taking Monday off to spend, uh, you know, time with my son and my family. We're going to like a local amusement park. So, you know, that's that's freedom to me. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know that on a personal level and be right. self-aware enough to decipher that. And it sounds like you've done that. And it's it's definitely not the same for everybody. So certain people Absolutely. want to be on the beach for 40 hours a week. And then certain right. people want to be head down in their business, growing and multiplying their money right. tenfold constantly. So, And then certain other people are content with just an ordinary average life. Absolutely. Um, so there's no one size fits all. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise about software uh, development and you know lead follow-up and just all the wisdom you've shared now, you, uh, where can listeners um, learn more about your software? Sure. I mean, they can learn more on resimply.com, R-E-S-I-M-P-L-I.com. Uh, and then they can, you know, reach out to me through that. And, um, you know, all the emails that are uh, for me, they get filtered down to me, all the contact information. And then I personally reply to those emails. Or if I need to jump on a call, I jump on a call with those people. Yeah, and I will include a, a, a link to your software in the show notes. Cool. It is an affiliate link, but uh, just disclosure there. But again, thank you. And I I wouldn't recommend a product that I'm not using. And I've been using Resimply successfully for a good six or eight awesome. months. And I, I love it. So cool. thank you, man. Thank you so much. I, that means the world to me. All right. Well, have a wonderful day, Sherrod. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review and tune in next week for the next episode.